Don't make me say the current president's name. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to break my perfect, I'm pretty sure, record. So we've had a unwritten thing here where this wouldn't be the show that just bores you with the uh, weekly outrage of the current administration. <laughs> Daily. I mean, you could. Yeah, possibly. that's true. Yeah. But um, but this time it intersects with one of our usual interests in a really weird and moderately upsetting way, namely uh, <laughs> Apple is so the current president is taking credit for apple opening uh well expanding a factory that they already had mm -hmm. in texas because of his stupid shitty tariffs but <laughs> almost everything is incorrect <laughs> yeah like every last detail <laughs> uh so what we're talking about is apple's decision to make the uh New, even more cheese gratery Mac Pro, still awaiting launch details. Um, mm. In the uh, United States and by make, we of course mean assembled. Yeah. Which is exactly what they did with the 2013 Mac Pro, starting with the 2013 Mac Pro. They just, you know, transitioned this uh, building here, which again is not an Apple owned building. It's, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't matter. Some uh, business. Uh, that makes, I mean, assembles things. And right. so here's the thing about all of that, like the, the sentence that, you know, they've, uh, they're doing it in the U.S. because of something, something tariffs is that these tariffs are so incredibly nonsensical <laughs> uh, that they, they actively discourage what Apple is doing here and encourage the present behavior on iPhones. And that is that imported finished products, and I don't know what counts as finished. Does, you know, like, is it covered in plastic? Does that mean it's finished if it's shrink wrap? <laughs> um, are not susceptible to tariffs. And it's not like Apple's getting an exemption. That's like the policy. But mm. parts are based on various classifications, uh, most uh, infamously um, steel. You know, that hurts a lot more industries than, you know, just our stupid marked up computers. Yeah, like they built some new, uh, Hyundai has a factory in like Alabama or whatever. And there's, there's a bunch of like random uh, assembly, plan. Mazda had some assembly in the United States for a while. Incidentally, those cars were shittier than the ones assembled in Japan, but... Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the thing is, if they can't import steel, then they might as well just import entire cars and shut down those giant factories. And by the way, when a car manufacturing, uh, a car assembly plant shuts down, that is a massive piece of probably very polluted <laughs> ground <laughs> that uh, is going to be a hideous idle eyesore for a really long time. Like there was one in Atlanta, pretty close into the city for ages, like 40 years or something until they finally uh, got around to redeveloping it into like mixed use or whatever. And of course, anything that closed after uh, uh, 1984 in uh, Flint or Detroit is uh, still standing and derelict. Until nature takes it back, which is going to take a while. Yeah. But the, the problem with this is, like you said, like it, it discourages doing anything in the U.S. at all. 
you might as well just ship entire cars, Mac Pros, whatever, from China, Japan, doesn't matter. Because uh, be uh, the way we uh, subsidize fuel, <laughs> that is also cheaper, not because of economic reasons, but because of policy reasons. There's really no reason to do any part of anything in the United States. And, you know, one of those uh, feedback loops where since we stopped making things in the U.S., we also stopped making parts in the U.S. So mm -hmm. if you want to bring anything back to the U.S., you have to start with final stage assembly because no one can make your parts in the U.S. either. <laughs> yeah, and there's also this thing where you can't pay, because we have laws and stuff, like, uh, well, so far we have laws and stuff. Uh, you can't pay American workers like 50 cents per screw or, or whatever, like, right, you, have to you know, pay them per 10, hour. Cents yeah. a, 10 cents a nut. You have to pay them uh, minimum wage, which is still shockingly, shamefully low, mm -hmm. but still not as low as you can uh, exploit people in developing countries for. So with all that, uh, you know, economic incentive there, it would, in fact, make more sense to assemble the Mac Pros in China because they would be cheaper for all of the above reasons. And I don't know if we have an answer on, like, if you buy a Mac Pro in Britain, is it assembled in Texas and then put on a barge or probably flown? Um, <laughs> you know, or, or are there also ones uh, coming out of China? I don't know. But... It's not like Apple's winning anything here other than allegedly politically, but, and th <laughs> this is going, you know, to Sting saying it, but if there's any proof to the MAGA hat wearing ideal that the president is this masterful negotiator, <laughs> that proof is how well he keeps winning against Tim Cook. Yeah, man, what's up with Tim Cook? And I, I can't help but blame Tim himself. Like, does is are is there a P tape uh, of Tim out there somewhere? Because none of this makes any goddamn sense. Uh, although, I mean, I suppose if uh, Mac Pros by default were going to be manufactured in China, it might be advantageous to manufacture some of them in the United States for the purpose of selling them to the federal government, because there are restrictions on buying things from China, but that's not a huge market for Apple, I don't think. I mean, maybe, of course, Apple would want it to be a bigger market because, <laughs> you know, you always want to sell more shit. And the federal government has lots and lots of money, despite the fact that we apparently can't uh, finance healthcare in this country for, for our citizens, unlike every other decent country. Even with all the uh, purchasing leeway um, that I have, Basically, we can only order Apple stuff, like, if it's asked for. Like, we could never replace uh, all of the identical computers with anything from Apple because it would get, you know, quashed somewhere mm. for yeah. uh, alleged budgetary reasons, even though the horrible uh, Dell things and the uh, sh shameful cradles that are behind <laughs> ugly panels are still like $1,200 somehow. 
And you have to replace them more often. Like, especially in academia, people hang on to their Macs forever. And it's pretty much fine. Yeah. Or at least it has been so far. And those uh, Dells uh, have fans that last, like, six months sometimes. <laughs> and it's covered, but, like, you know, you have to, like, keep stock of backup machines because they crap out and it doesn't matter that the repair is free. You still have to pay for the fleet of loaners. Yeah, I always had a stockpile of components because like sometimes you could get Dell to send you extras. Like there is this whole line of laptops where if the little rubber feet came off, mm. it would break the computer because <laughs> some little plastic door had a had a stiffening like bar on it that actually would crack <laughs> one of the <laughs> I, one of the ICs on the motherboard which would cause the the computer to become non-operational uh, so i i they i made them send me like just dozens of little rubber feet and anytime i saw one of those out in the wild you do a, i would check a, a the feet, feet. Check, yeah <laughs> Because it and that was like that was so ridiculous. And it was the entire model line of them with these stupid little rubber feet. Anyway. Well never mind, you uh, know, the infamous two seventies where it's like, oh, we have oh, yeah. we have hundreds of these and they all have this uh ticking time bomb problem that is guaranteed to happen. And it wasn't just the two seventies, it was like three generations of Optiplex systems although it was basically every 270 yeah. it was also a significant amount of whatever like 980s whatever it is they went to next right because they wanted they changed branding yeah <laughs> <laughs> the numbers jumped at some point yeah. i don't know whatever it's stupid dell crap uh, god i have i have complaints about dell but we won't get into that because we're talking about apple and how ridiculous this maneuvering is uh with tim cook and the president yeah uh so we didn't uh mention it outright but where this um, reaches maximum insult to the left-leaning uh, Apple follower here. Yeah. Is that, you know, he had uh, the president tour the factory with uh, Cook and, you know, of course, an interview on camera. And uh, I'll, I'll read the uh, quote of the uh, transcript. Uh, on Wednesday, Mr. Trump and Mr. A very uh, called Mr. Cook a very special person because of his ability <laughs> to create jobs. He turned to Mr. Cook and said, "What would you say about our economy <laughs> compared to everybody else?" And I'm not going to do a Cook voice, but uh, oh, but I like <laughs> uh, yeah. You just have to do like a slight Southern accent, anyway. I think we have the strongest economy in the world, and then Trump just repeats him. Strongest in the world. And then uh, launches into a tirade about uh, impeachment and the fake press while wow. Cook stands there and the theme from that TV show plays as it zooms in on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and he regrets his life choices, but not as much as he deserves to. The thing is, so it, it used to be like it would be pretty cool to invite the president to your factory and have him tour it. And there's like photo ops and publicity. However... That was when we had middling to cool presidents. <laughs> Not this one. This is like, this is bad press. Also, he's under the impression that Apple can roll out 5G networks, which is not. Oh, really... right. Yeah. <laughs> Lest we forget. He is a stupid man is the thing. Like, he's not just, he's not just woefully ignorant. He's actively stupid. He is not capable of learning things, apparently. And, well, he, he certainly chooses not to. Um, yeah. Uh, so since we have the uh, opposite of a uh, time constraint on this episode, 
Uh, sitting in the uh, hopper for a while uh, is a tirade I have about how the U.S. is doing 5G as wrong as it possibly could. <laughs> uh, and the uh, short version of that is um, uh, 5G's spec includes very uh, high frequencies and very low frequencies compared to the spectra that uh, LTE exists in. And um, the two ends of that are optimized for uh, distance or proximity. And that is why 5G rollouts have only been in cities with the shortwave stuff. And um, from people who have uh, real 5G phones, the experience has been described as uh, turning a corner and losing signal. <laughs> <laughs> because um, the spec by design is that in order to deal with the fact that like in, in order to penetrate buildings, you also have a range of like 100 meters and hmm. in traffic, you know, that goes down exponentially. Um, and the uh, long wave spectra uh, in the U.S. hasn't even been leased out. And it's not like the auctions are coming. It's like not on anyone's radar. And China is using that because China's rural as fuck, except for, you know, the eastern seaboard. And <laughs> they want phones to work there. And their cellular system is nationalized by their, by their tyrannical government. But the point is, <laughs> there's one deciding body that can do this. Where in the U.S., um, you have a hand, <laughs> you have... Um, like everything else in the U.S., you have a blessed <laughs> duopoly um, yeah. and a couple of minor players uh, a rotating door with the FCC and basically no incentive to do the rural rollout and not really much incentive, incentive to do the urban one either because you would need... Um, an antenna in like every traffic light in <laughs> lower Manhattan. And, uh, you know, since those aren't owned by AT&T or Verizon, you can't really do that. <laughs> um, these towers don't really fit in each other. So you can't really like have an AT&T and Verizon one like in the same thing too easily. I mean, that, but that's already been a problem. But when you're talking about much... Uh, more density required if there's only one spot within this uh, a football field sized area that it can cover that you can place an antenna um, it's only going to go to one company and you're just going to have this checker pattern of coverage yeah and it's kind of ironic because you know what else is rural as fuck except on the coasts is the united states yep like there's there's of course that map of like impute this and it's all the it's all the red states colored red, and the thing is that represents less than half the population. Yep, but that population still deserves internet. <laughs> right, they do. They exist. Well, you know, a lot of them. Most of them probably some some of them absolutely not. But but most we of them. deserve to have internet while driving through them. <laughs> right. Yes, that is <laughs> that is certainly true, and, and it's. <sighs> It's great the 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 libertarian dream of uh, the the private sector will solve all of these problems because of the profit motive. Well, actually, the profit motive mainly serves to fuck you over yep. as an individual consumer. Like this idea, 
and there's been so it's amazing that libertarian to me that libertarians still exist because we have so much evidence <laughs> that in the absence of government reg- regulation well we'll get to our next episode <laughs> <laughs> spoilers it's going to be about terrible stuff um <laughs> but uh even even beyond that apparently is is what you uh found about <laughs> the fucking weather yeah <laughs> so in addition to the really high frequency stuff being uh, you know just not good <laughs> It's also in this narrow band where it will look like water vapor to a very specific type of uh, uh, precipitation checking. And therefore, it's not like you can do anything with the data that Manhattan is always raining. You have to now, (laughs) you know, develop a new radar system for doing the real time radar over there. Um, but because of, uh, radar is kind of one dimensional, it's not, it's sort of two and three ish dimensional. But the thing is when you're looking at in a weather app, like the radar that's pieced together from the kind of radar you'd expect to see on a world war two submarine movie mm-hmm. where it's a circle where, where you are the center point. And the thing goes around and detects things. And the thing about this method is when you hit a thing, that is like your data point that comes back. You don't get what's behind it. You don't get the depth of it. You only piece that together by having tons of these. So just having a blockage over um, any 5G area isn't like, oh, you know, well, we can't, you know, do forecasts and that. It's, well... No, like now we have to check where we put all of the weather stations to see if we can even work around this. Yeah, it's kind of bad. And, you know, again, it's because uh, this stuff is not holistically designed. It's approved by the FCC, which is bought and paid for by the telcos. And Mm. uh, the spec is uh, not really written with every possible thing in mind. It's just sort of like... Well, we've used this spectrum. Let's try this now. See if this does anything better. Right. To be fair, we have put way too much shit on 2.4 gigahertz. To be fair. Yeah. But (laughs) the solution was like the 900 megahertz one where you can actually serve rural areas and you can still make that work in urban areas. um, Again, by just having more towers and... It's this ridiculous pipe dream that everyone has about 5G that, oh, the spec says, you know, the latency will be even better than my Fios at home. And uh, doctors could do, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, laparoscopic robots from somewhere else. And it's like, no, like, that's just not going to happen. (laughs) Even if it worked, it still has to go through the fiber optic backbone. (laughs) So, you know, you're going to hit the, you know, traffic jams in there. But even ignoring that, just the rollout is not going to happen. And especially if you think that this will enable remote surgery because of low latency enough to operate a robot. You know, we just went over the <laughs> fact that remote means no service with the current 5G plans <laughs> of the United States. Yeah. 
that that'll be a big no thank you for me like i'd I'd prefer to have my surgeon uh be a human who is in the same room as me yeah this uh this is one of those things where like uh i think one of the things that has uh doomed apple's current quality was hmm. um the idea that the secret secret swift project <laughs> uh got off the ground by basically being a bridge to the objective c runtimes um and similarly swift ui is just a bridge to ui kit and you know all the cool new shiny stuff is the old stuff underneath and yeah maybe it'll get around to changing that at some point eventually hmm. but for the time being it's just a distraction where there's no documentation because it has to be written in two languages now so it's written in neither uh <laughs> um, awesome and whether you're an internal or external developer like there's all this work that could have gone into you know either um killing objective c or just uh getting rid of every last instance of a bracket and making sure you could use a dot for the stupid java people and <laughs> um you know getting uh everything solid as duck but Instead, ooh, new shiny, and uh, everything's unmaintainable now. And what where this gets to uh, 5G is that, what if we, like, just finished the LTE rollout? What? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Because, like, it's good enough for our phones, and uh, a lot of people do get by with no internet connection other than their phones or those little... LTE hotspots and those are like pretty okay they're not awesome it's still better than like satellite out in the boonies with the dial up uplink yeah although I guess they have two way satellite now but it's still not good yeah and it's wildly expensive yeah and there's not really many speeds that are measured with an M unless it's at 3am um, so yeah like maybe we should just roll out LTE everywhere because we're like no one has ever seen the theoretical performance of LTE on their device, you know? Hmm. Um, you're lucky if you get 25-25 uh, out of it in a good area at a good time. But, you know, sometimes it'll drop sub 1. Sometimes you'll see a 50. Um, and all of this is like, just more towers, just keep rolling this shit out. Uh, let the people working on modems like keep making better LTE modems that could use less antenna or um, perfect existing antenna design, start doing shit with fractals. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> all this research that it's like, hmm, we might be onto something. Oh, wait, we're not using this band anymore. Never mind. Yeah. Like, we don't need over the air 4K while we don't have like <laughs> 480p reliable yet. Yeah. And if you think we're going to make that jump, it's going to be like, you know, this is what we could said we uh, this is what we said we could do, which means you can now usually get 720p, but your data plan doesn't have enough room in it anyway. So who cares? Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a joke about that. <laughs> it just sucks. Whatever. Just yelling at the clouds, which are will now be confused for radio signals.